Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. From John to Justin, which releases every single Friday. Canada's Great War, which releases every single Sunday. And Coast to Coast, which releases every single Thursday. If you like, you can email me at Craig at CanadaEHX.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. For centuries, long before Europeans ever set foot in the area that would eventually be Troshu, the indigenous occupied the land. The bison were prominent throughout the region and were an incredibly important part of life for the indigenous. The indigenous that occupied the land were the Blackfoot, and as time went on, the Cree and the Métis began to push into the region as Europeans started to settle in from the east. Today, you can actually visit an important spot in the local indigenous culture when you visit the Dry Island Buffalo Jump Park, located just to the east of Troshu. It was here where the local indigenous drove bison over cliffs and huge bison drives that occurred for centuries before Europeans arrived. The indigenous history aspect isn't the only cool part of this park either. It contains the most important Albertosaurus bone bed in the world, and it was first discovered in 1910 by Barnum Brown, and then rediscovered in 1997 by Dr. Phil Curry. Bones are still pulled out of the area dating back millions of years to when the entire area looked very different. The park also contains unique flora and fauna that are not usually found this far from the Rocky Mountains. As people settled in the area, the indigenous would often trade with them and help the new arrivals survive in a land they were not accustomed to. Remnants of the indigenous culture would be found for years on the homesteads of the new settlers, Arrowheads, bleached bison bones, and other items were all found throughout the region. The start of Trochu would come thanks to a man named Armand Jean-Louis Leon Trochu, who was born on Belle Island in 1857. The nephew of General Louis-Jules Trochu, who was the governor of Paris in 1870 during the Franco-Prussian War, he began work as a stockbroker in Paris, but his unique life would eventually lead him to Canada and the life as a rancher and the founder of the community that now has his name. It is believed that Trochu arrived in Calgary in 1902, and he stayed there for a time before moving to the ranch of Raymond Malherbe. Louis, the son of Raymond, began to tell stories of ranches in the area, and this intrigued Trochu, who decided to explore the region for a suitable site for a ranch of his own. Before long, he found the perfect site, and Trochu got down to work to build up his new ranch, which included hiring hands and getting lumber shipped in from Didsbury. Trochu was described as, quote, A distinguished-looking gentleman of medium height and build with, with a beard and neat appearance. He was a fine gentleman, a good friend, and a man with a big heart. 
Those who remember him say that he had no enemies, and one would never hear an unkind word from him. End quote. In 1905, Armand Trochu, Joseph de Wilder, and J.C. Eckenfelder, who had all come from France separately, came together and formed the St. Anne Ranch Trading Company. This ranch would soon become a focal point in the area for a growing French-speaking community that offered services to travelers including a stopping house, store, blacksmith shop, and a dance hall. Before long, the ranch had 100 head of horses and 200 head of cattle. The post office would open on September 1, 1906 with the name of Trochu Valley, and with Trochu himself being the first postmaster. He would haul the mail himself through the region using a team of horses, which he did for several years. Residents would slowly begin to arrive in the area, but it was still hard times for many. The winter of 1906 was described as one of the worst in memory, with the cattle losing their hair and almost their hide from struggling through hard, deep, and crusted snow. It was the belief of the three men that the railroad would come through the area near their ranch. The CPR had come through the area with surveyors for a proposed line that would bring the railway from Acme to the Calgary and Edmonton Railway. Trochu also knew the president of the CPR, so everyone was confident that the railroad would come through the area. Surveyors were soon hired to create a town site, and even as the snow was still deep, lots were sold and as soon as the snow melted, building began. The first structure built in the community was the police barracks, followed by a butcher shop and a Roman Catholic church. Of course, the CPR never built this proposed line, and the old town site of Trochu would never grow beyond a few buildings. On March 31, 1906, one of the worst disasters to ever hit the area occurred when a fire broke out outside the town. It began when two homesteaders named Taylor and Gibb took lumber out to their homesteads. They wanted to protect it from a prairie fire, so they burnt a fire guard around it, but this fire soon spread out of control. Several men came out to help fight the fire, and it was under control, but then it was hit by a strong wind and quickly began to move across the landscape. Right in its path was the St. Anne Ranch and those fighting the fire were behind it, leaving the St. Anne Ranch at its mercy. Only Trochu himself was at the ranch at the time, and he had a valuable stallion in the barn and 100 horses enclosed in the pasture. A local ranch hand took the fastest horse in the region at full gallop to beat the fire and get to the St. Anne Ranch to save the horses and cattle, but the flames were traveling faster than the horse. As luck would have it, the coulee protected the ranch itself, but the horses in the pasture remained in the path of the flames. Sadly, half of the horses were killed in the fire, while coal stored in a dugout caught fire and burned for the next two months. Many individuals, including a local rancher named Jack Ross, lost their homesteads to the flames. The area of the fire was reported to have covered from north of Olds across the Red Deer River and to the south. Around 1909, eight sisters of the Catholic faith left France and arrived in the Trochu area to begin new life helping the people of the area, while also setting up a school, convent, and hospital. Their new home would become a stopping place for individuals traveling from Trochu to Olds and back. A temporary hospital was soon set up, and it would remain operating until 1911. It was busy as well, with 16 patients being admitted between August 23, 1909 and December 21, 1909. The sisters also set up a small chapel, and Holy Mass was first celebrated there on September 16, 1909. On November 21st of that year, they opened a school, and within one year, 25 children were attending the school. One year after the sisters arrived, a location for the convent hospital was chosen on top of a hill near the community. 
Construction soon began, even while at the same time the sisters were working day and night due to a typhoid fever epidemic that hit the area. The winter was also bitterly cold that year, but construction continued and was soon completed. There were no architects for the building, so it was designed by Mother Marie-Louis Recton, based on her sketches. In 1912, the Department of Health officially recognized the hospital. The hospital, with its multiple floors and expansive design, was easily one of the most beautiful and imposing buildings in the entire area. More sisters would come across from France as well to work at the convent and hospital. The convent would sadly be torn down in 1975, but the work of the sisters over the course of those 65 years lives on, with the St. Mary's Hospital that operates to this day in Troshu. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. New life would come for Troshu around 1910 when the Grand Trunk Pacific Railway built its line through, and it laid down its own town site. The original town site was soon abandoned by settlers as they moved to the new town. Entire buildings were transported intact and new ones were built at the new site. And it would take some time for the first passenger service to start in the area, and that would not begin until 1913. It didn't matter though, everyone was ready to start the move. With that move, the importance of the St. Anne's Ranch soon declined. But you can still see the St. Anne's Ranch today, and several of the original buildings still stand. On the 8-hectare site, there is a DeVilder house, the Eckenfelder house, and a barn. The ranch played such an important part in the eventual creation of Troshu and the settlement of the area that it was made a provincial historic resource in 1989. During these early years, the Troshu area attracted some very unique characters. There was a Frenchman named Napoleon Gregor who wanted to start a business in the area. He erected huge sheds outside the town for the purpose of storing hay, but his business never did well. Within two years, he sold the sheds and hay to Pat Burns, the man who helped start the Calgary Stampede. There was Manly Downing, who was noted for spinning a tall tale. One day, he came into town to celebrate something, but he ended up celebrating too much, and the local police confronted him. Downing jumped onto his horse to ride away, but the constable grabbed the bridle. Downing then slipped the bridle over the horse's ears and rode off as fast as he could, leaving the constable to hold the bridle in the fading distance. Downing also broke horses for the Boer War, and would become known as one of the best horsemen in the area, bringing up hundreds of horses from Montana. He even made the semi-finals of the Calgary Stampede in 1912. 
Soon after the new town site was built up, a coal mine was opened just to the east of Troshu in the Ghost Pine Valley. Small coal mines had actually been operating in the area since 1903, but it was in the 1910s that things really got moving. Soon enough, several coal mines sprang up in the area, often operated by the individual who owned the land. The Ghost Pine Valley coal became a lucrative business in the area, and coal from the area began to be shipped out on a regular basis to Calgary for use elsewhere in the country. The coal industry would continue to thrive, but before long it eventually started fading away, and it was gone for good with the closing of the Halbert Mine in 1965, after 54 years of operation. In 1946, a man named Dr. A.J. Stewart Hay would come to Troshu, and for the next 27 years, he would serve the medical needs of the community. During his time in the area, he had a 5-acre property that had 60 species of mature trees and shrubs. It was a beautiful area, but with his sudden death in 1973, the town wondered what it was going to do. He was so well-respected that even though the town had 900 people, 1,000 people attended his funeral. The town decided the best way to honor the man so many respected was to turn his land into something everyone would enjoy. Throughout the 1980s, the town developed an arboretum on the property so that many could enjoy the beautiful area he helped create. Today, the Troshu Arboretum is called an oasis on the prairie, and it now features over 1,000 varieties of trees and shrubs through the property. There are several species from well outside of North America as well, including a Manchurian elm, and a Siberian larch that is quite imposing. Today, that arboretum still exists and can be visited throughout the summer. Without a doubt, the most recognizable aspect of Troshu is the giant golf tee that overlooks the golf course in town. The golf tee isn't just the largest in Alberta or Canada, but the entire world, and it has to be seen to be believed. I visited it, and it is quite the structure as it rises 40 feet in the air on a cliffside, making it a perfect spot for Instagram photos. The golf tee came about in 2009 when the ATB Financial Company held the Teenormous Contest. First prize in the contest was the world's largest golf tee, and town councillor Bill Cunningham felt that Troshu was the perfect place for it. A video was shot at the golf course which included 1,618 golf balls spelling out T is for Troshu, and that's four in the golf sense and spelling. The video was sent in and soon enough Troshu, along with Camrose and Mayor Wayne, were announced as the finalists. The public would then vote on which community would get the structure and Troshu won with over two-thirds of the vote. If you want to learn more about the fascinating history of the small town in Alberta near Three Hills called Troshu, then the best place to go is the Troshu and District Museum and Tourist Information Centre. The centre features the history of the area from the early French settlers in the 1900s all the way up to the nearly the present day. Available to see in the museum are many artefacts including antique printing presses used by the local newspaper for decades. Other exhibits highlight the coal mining history of the area, St. Mary's Hospital and Convent, the World Wars and the sports history of the area. There's also a walking tour available of the community that follows the downtown murals that present the history in a fascinating and interesting manner. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at the community of Troshu. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. Again, if you like, you can support the podcast through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. 
You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. And I'd like to say thank you to all of my wonderful patrons, and if I mispronounce any names, I do apologize. Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, one anonymous person who I really appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke Guess, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.